This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Chris Sosa with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm pleased today to be joined by Jillian Wright, President and COO of Onsite Women's Health. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I'm Jillian Wright. Uh, Over the past about 18 months or so, I've had the honor of serving as President and COO here at Onsite Women's Health where we partner with providers to offer a comprehensive suite of breast health and imaging services from the comfort and convenience of the provider's office. So all anchored to driving up breast cancer screening compliance rates and increasing breast cancer detection rates. Uh, We're currently partnered in 120 locations in 26 states. And as a company, we have over 400 teammates and perform about 400,000 exams a year. So we've been on a super exciting growth trajectory. Couldn't be more fun to get to be a part of the company's journey at this point. Uh, Prior to joining Onsite, I worked in the surgery center space for over a decade. I was VP of operations, really focused in the gastroenterology space at that time, and then VP of strategy and transformation at AmSurge. I am a Nashville native, a proud Vanderbilt Commodore, I uh, graduated from both Vanderbilt's undergraduate and business school, so I'm lovingly coined a double door, (laughs) and I live here uh, in Nashville with my husband and two young children, ages five and almost three, so I'm uh, I'm pretty busy. People often ask what I like to do in my free time, but I mean, what what even is free time as a mother of two young kids? I I don't even know what that word means, (laughs) so uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm sure a lot of our audience could relate, no doubt, Jillian. I'm glad you mentioned uh, some of the data and statistics about on-site women's health. Could you let us know a little bit more about how on-site women's health goes about its mission and how it's been able to grow into what it has been today? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, to kind of get down to the nuts and bolts of what we do, we provide a turnkey kind of breast health imaging service to Uh, physician practices. So primarily uh, partnered with OBGYN providers, but also some primary care practices, and even a couple more sort of urgent care type of locations. So anywhere where women are already coming for services, our goal is to be able to stand up an in-office, effectively mammography suite, plus some additional breast health services in in multiple locations to make it as convenient as possible for women to add on their screening mammogram from the comfort and convenience of their provider's office where they are already visiting. Uh, So we provide everything from the equipment, the staffing, all accreditation um, kind of Uh, support services, all of the radiologic interpretation um, through a teleradiology solution, uh, and and really everything needed to be able to offer that turnkey breast imaging line of service within the provider's office. 
we've scaled a great deal really over the last, in particular, the last five years. Uh, just since I've joined, I think we were about 75 locations when I joined 18 months ago, and we're now 120 and growing by the month. Uh, so I think that there's really a great deal of demand out there for offering sort of more point of care breast health services, recognizing that that feels like it's the key to uh, to really getting more women screened, detecting breast cancer earlier when it's most treatable and, and saving lives. Jalen, you mentioned you've done a number of things in the healthcare space. Is there something in particular that drew you to on-site women's health and its mission in particular? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so, I mean, Clearly, you know, breast health services are personal. They're personal to a lot of people. And, you know, I think not all uh, uh, people in my position, you know, not every COO would get asked, you know, why are breast health services personal to you? Because not everybody's as fortunate as I am to get to work in a space where we get to so seamlessly blend sort of professional work and personal passion. So, you know, first I'll say I have a passion for women's health uh, in general. I come from a family of a lot of strong women. My father has five sisters. I have four sisters. There are just girls everywhere. <laughs> and being that this is a, uh, I think, a women in leadership podcast, I think it's appropriate to say that women are just the best and we, um, our time, our health should be protected at all costs. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I've endured some of my own personal challenges that crossed into the women's health space during that time, sort of appointment after appointment, you know, different office after different office, I couldn't help but think there's got to be a better way. We have to find a better way to make healthcare services more accessible, more convenient, and, and simply just better. So I'm excited to be in a seat where I get to, you know, really play a small part in that, at least as it relates to breast health services. So it's rare to meet someone who hasn't been impacted in some way by breast cancer whether it's a personal diagnosis, a mother, an aunt, a sister, a friend, my own grandmother battled breast cancer. Everyone knows someone. And as we say it on site, that someone is somebody's everything. So our motto is that convenience drives compliance and compliance saves lives. And as any good COO does, I'm constantly you know, monitoring our patient capture rates, scheduled volume, cancellation rates, annual follow-up compliance. But for us, those aren't just numbers. They aren't widgets. These are women. And so our company's financial performance is indisputably tied to doing more good and saving more lives. So it's, I mean, it's hard not to feel passionate about that, right? It's hard not to be drawn to that mission. It's just so evident in what we do every day. So um, I think I've brought a lot to this role from my prior experiences. I mean, when I was with Amsurge, we were very focused, as I mentioned, in the gastroenterology space. So the bulk of, of my work was in trying to drive up colonoscopy compliance rates. So a very sort of similar thing, but here doing it around breast cancer and, and just something that touches so many women. Jillian, now that you've been in this space for 18 months and tackled a great many things, what would you say are the greatest challenges in providing uh, breast health services in the U.S.? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Um, if I had to name three things, I would say access to care, the patient's available time to get that care, 
and awareness and education. So if I take those one at a time, access to breast health services can be limited for some women. Often when we go into a market, we will hear about lengthy wait times to get in for breast imaging, particularly if the hospital is the primary option. Uh, we're solving that by creating more points of access uh, supported by a teleradiology solution. So we don't need a radiologist there in person. You know, I don't think that you know, physician shortages are unknown to anybody, but we're really handling that by supporting this network of remote radiologists that are focused on um, breast health and breast imaging. Available time to get that care. Women are busy. We do everything for everyone. Um, I mean, I'm sort of kidding, but in, in, in all seriousness, we have to make getting screened for breast cancer an easy button. We at Onsite are seeking to do that by meeting women where they are. So putting the equipment in their provider's office and offering the convenience of combining that appointment with their other needed care. So I think it's, you know, time efficient for patients. Um, and we're just trying to tackle that issue for women. And then awareness and education. I think that this is probably the biggest one. Unfortunately, breast cancer screening guidelines are not black and white and differ from society to society. So as an industry, we need to do a better job of both educating, referring providers and patients on the screening guidelines and why. Uh, here at Onsite, we support the American College of Radiology or ACR and the Society of Breast Imaging, SBI guidelines. And in short, those guidelines are that if you are at average risk for breast cancer, you should begin obtaining an annual screening mammogram at age 40. So it's that simple. Start at age 40, do it every year. It is undisputed by, by any society that these guidelines save the most lives. You know, so if I take a minute to throw out some stats, one in eight women will develop breast cancer at some point in their life. One in six breast cancers occur in women between the ages of 40 and 49. Three out of four women diagnosed with breast cancer have no family history of the disease and aren't considered high risk. And up to 30% of cancers would be missed with a biennial screening in women 50 plus years old. So um, SBI has a fantastic campaign, I love it. It's called End the Confusion. And there are a lot of resources out there that clarify the ACR and SBI supported guidelines and why they are what they are. So here at Onsite, we hope to continue to really band together as an industry to end the confusion through better education and awareness. And we're doing our small part today educating providers really on the ground and patients in the markets in which we serve. And I think we're, we see the impact. I mean, in, in our mature locations, we've got 85% plus uh, patient capture rates for breast cancer screening compliance. Uh, and that's, and that's really something to be commended. So we're doing our sm small part little by little feels like we could all be doing a lot more, but Hopefully over time, we continue to get those societies more aligned from a guidelines perspective. Those are certainly some sobering statistics you mentioned, Jillian, but thankfully yeah. it does seem like progress is being made. Uh, would you mind expounding a little bit on some of the differences in guidelines that you mentioned and how they're different in some places versus others? Yeah, I sure can. So there are several different societies. As I mentioned, the ACR and SBI are, are fairly aligned on those guidelines. Again, it's annual screening MAMO for women uh, that are at average risk starting at age 40. Um, a few of the other societies that weigh in on this are ACOG, 
uh, ACS, NCCN, and the USPSTF. And they all sort of vary between, um, you know, whether to start at age 40, which actually, uh, I believe all the guidelines as of this year now state uh, to begin at age 40. Uh, USPSTF shifted their guidance uh, just this year to go back to it uh, starting at age 40. Uh, but some guidelines state to have it every other year versus annually. Uh, and some sort of have a cutoff age for when to stop. Um, whereas ACR and SBI really have no upper age limit um, unless severe comorbidities limit life expectancy. So most simply put, ACR and SBI, um, those guidelines really, really underscore how to save the most lives. Start at age 40 every year, keep screening until uh, uh, there are comorbidities that would really limit life expectancy. Thank you for outlining that, Jillian. I think that's very helpful. Uh, going back a little bit to what you mentioned before and how OnSite really wants to put things like equipment and at points of access for women, and you mentioned teleradiology and how helpful that is. Are there other recent innovations that you found helpful in this uh, field? Yeah, actually, um, we've been doing some really, this is this is honestly the fun stuff, right? So we're on a very impressive growth trajectory. Um, as I mentioned, when I joined 18 months ago, 75 locations, now 120 and counting. And I am a firm believer that much of our growth will be enabled by new technology and partnerships. And so we can't go it alone. And so 2023 has been a year of budding partnerships for us, um, all sort of underpinned in technology and innovation. So I'll mention three uh, that I'm bullish on. So one is AI to enhance quality of care. Um, so we actually partnered with a company called Volpara this year to enhance our services with two products. One is a point of care software that assesses the patient's breast density at the time of the mammogram. So if you're not familiar, patients with dense breast tissue are at a higher risk of breast cancer. And unfortunately, the dense breast tissue can actually mask cancers on a mammogram alone. So this software allows us to communicate real time to the patient at the time of her mammogram if she is recommended to have supplemental imaging, such as a uh, breast ultrasound, due to having dense breast tissue. So once again, just sort of underpinning that convenience, easy button, combining appointments, not asking patients to come back for multiple appointments. Another product that we've partnered with Volpara on is a software that analyzes the quality of the images taken. So as you can imagine, we are managing technologists across 120 plus locations in 26 states. Our confidence in the results we give to patients is heavily dependent upon the quality and completeness of the images obtained. This software actually helps us see where we're doing great from an imaging quality standpoint and where we could use improvement and then offers tailored training to the technologists to continue to advance their practice. So. That's some pretty cool stuff that we're doing there. From kind of another, another lens, identifying and screening younger women that are at high risk of breast cancer. So as I mentioned, if you're at average risk, you should start getting mammograms at age 40. However, if you are at a high lifetime risk um, of breast cancer, which can be assessed 
in many different ways, but there is one well-known model called the Tyrocusic model, uh, which is an algorithm. It's effectively kind of a, a robust patient history uh, that takes into account multiple factors that would drive patient risk. If you are at um, a lifetime risk of greater than 20% of having breast cancer, then you should begin getting screened for breast cancer earlier. Without assessing patients under the age of 40, we would have no way of knowing that and patients may miss imaging that they should be getting before age 40. So this year we've partnered with um, Myriad Genetics, a well-known provider in this space, to use uh, uh, one of their tools to risk assess patients that are under the age of 40, again, patients that we otherwise would never see, to ensure that those are at a lifetime risk are identified and offered mammography services right away. So we'll have a lot more coming out um, on this over the next year, but I can say that I've been shocked at the number of women under the age of 40 that are indicated for mammograms that we wouldn't have otherwise known about that may have gone years without getting a mammogram. Uh, and then lastly, we're, we're doing some cool stuff with uh, a partner called Medicom to better support electronic image transfer between our locations. So really promoting more streamlined continuity of care. I don't know if you've ever gotten any imaging taken and then needed to go somewhere for follow-up care and you've had to have that uh, facility burn a disc with your images, but it just seems crazy to me. It's 2023, we're still burning discs and like, you know, toting them around from facility to facility. Our goal is to end that and to be able to better streamline that transfer of images between facilities, which will uh, streamline patient care, uh, get quicker results turned around and just promote efficiency in the space. So we've got our eye on some other AI solutions, uh, those that are sort of what you more traditionally would hear about from an AI or machine learning standpoint in radiology. So both to improve the radiologist's efficiency by prioritizing their work list with uh, the cases that seem most suspicious and uh, be to continue to drive up uh, cancer detection rates and confidence in the accuracy of our results. So that's probably the one I'm most excited to work on in 2024 is to evaluate some of those different technologies and see how they impact our cancer detection rates, our patient callback rates, all of those things. Uh, but that's certainly, certainly one of the biggest trends out there and one of the hottest buzzwords would just be AI in general. I'm sure you're hearing it everywhere. Absolutely. And I can actually uh, speak from personal experience about having to burn those images <laughs> onto a CD. It does <laughs> seem like a bit of a head scratcher is really this can't be transmitted some other exactly. way. Exactly. But... I know. I know. <laughs> well, we're but... looking to like, I talked about FBI's end the confusion campaign earlier. I am on an and the disc burning uh, <laughs> campaign right now. All righty. Well, lastly, Julian, I do want to ask you, what other issues in healthcare in general do you think deserve a brighter spotlight? It's a great question. I think, um, one, we're still reeling from COVID in healthcare. I mean, the entire paradigm has shifted. We've seen providers with burnout at unprecedented levels leading to accelerated retirements. Obviously all of that creates access issues for patients that pushes everything back. We've seen patients 
you know, that have just simply gotten off the cycle of staying up to date with their own preventative health care and trying to get them back on the cycle. Here at Onsite, we're really worried about the women that stopped coming to get their annual mammogram during the pandemic and haven't returned. Um, data shows that the incidence of later stage cancer has gone up significantly since the pandemic simply because of the missed screening mammograms. I think that the labor shortages are going to continue to be a headwind for us. Uh, similar to the sort of physician and provider shortages, we're facing that um, day in and day out just from a kind of healthcare workforce standpoint. So really as an industry, continuing to put our arms around that and figure out creative solutions to improve our teammates' uh, work-life balance, improve their experience working in the healthcare space, and really help everybody find joy again in what they're doing post-pandemic. Uh, and so we've done a lot of things at Onsite to try to promote that, um, really getting down even to sort of the um, patient scheduler level to try to help them see the impact they make with every patient that they schedule and see at at the practices. Uh, but I still think, you know, we're just all still reeling post pandemic and figuring out what the new norm is. So I'm excited to continue partnering and learning from other experts in the field on what they're doing to, to manage the provider shortages, to get patients back on track with their healthcare and help retain our teammates and help them find joy in the work that they're doing. Jillian, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. We really thank you for sharing your insights with our audience, and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Talk soon. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.